0: Welcome. Today, you are tuned into the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Here at Evolution, we help tech companies to scale up, utilising some of the most talented freelancers. My name is Connor, and I am your host for today. Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. The time here is 5pm at the Evolution HQ, and I'm joined by a very experienced panel of tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic from engineer to engineering leadership. But before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and your interests outside the work. So in no particular order, Martin, if you'd like to kick us off.
1: Yes. Sure thing. Oh, Morton, my best. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm a engineering lead at Schneider Electric. Um, I have global engineering teams doing, um, projects for our customers that buy our core softwares. So basically the, our customers, they request a, a feature addition or integration. Into the rest of their infrastructure, and then we provide that, um, you know, based on on project dynamics. In uh, in my free time, I'm uh, I like to spend time with my family. I like to exercise and and to be with friends. And um, so, very low key, normal life outside of work. Thank you very much, for that, Martin and Christina. Uh,
2: yes, I'm Christina. Uh, yeah, I come from Romania and I moved to Denmark uh, more than ten years ago. I'm currently an engineering manager uh, at Issue, and what is Issue? Issue is a digital publishing platform, so we help uh, power the content economy and we help creators all across the globe uh, bring their content online, make it more interactive, make it more digital, uh, share it with their audience, and coming back and seeing how that engagement looks like so they can optimize further. So it's all about uh, the content economy in uh, the world we are in. Um, yeah, in my role at the moment, I actually work with several engineering teams, uh, and also one engineering manager, uh, yeah, across our own group here in, uh, in Copenhagen. We have offices in several locations in the what? world. Yeah, to keep it short, I think about it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anyway, in my spare time, in my spare time, for about the last part in the question. Uh, I have, um, I have two daughters, uh, they are, small one is three and the other one is almost uh, six so they keep me and my husband pretty busy so i would say uh honestly Scout honor i'm very much into all kids activities outside work <laughs> i know a lot about what small kids like and what's going on in the city and uh, visiting the parks and the uh, yeah, museums and other things so if you need a reference happy to offer one
0: <laughs> very nice christina thank you for that
3: and thomas yeah, yeah. lovely uh yeah, I'm an uh, engineering manager of, uh, at uh, Nordic Green Solutions. Uh, we are an energy consulting, which uh, provides a consultancy for primary industry companies, uh, where we help them uh, reducing their energy consumptions and the cost related to the consumption. Uh, so, therefore, I'm uh, having a team uh, which I'm uh, supporting, uh, which uh, develops solutions and also activities with, uh, within the. Uh, EU, uh, EU and Denmark. Uh, yeah, we're about five people in my team. So we are newly started in EU, uh, primarily Germany also. So, uh, that's a developing uh, yeah, process. Uh, in my spare time, I also
1: have two kids,
3: a daughter at eight and a uh, boy at four. So I'm also very busy in my spare time. And besides that, I have a very old house. So uh, it needs a, a kind of love. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Forrest. I'm Martin.
4: He is... Goes- yeah, so uh, just starting off somewhere else, I've been in tech for just a short of eight years at this point, and uh, an engineer, now turned manager. Um, I mentioned previously that I have no formal education. I actually have my background in communications, where I have a bachelor's degree, so everything I do tech-wise is completely self-taught, uh, as I'm a very naturally curious person. That has gotten me in a position of CTO here at Introduce, which is a, uh, we're a small startup of nine people today. We specialize in, in pre and onboarding. So in short, we help our clients get their new hires up to speed quickly. Outside of work, I, uh, I'm an avid reader. I also like to to move and do various sports. Don't really care what it is. Um, I particularly get around to do weightlifting and running, as that's something I can do on my own. Um I've also made a commitment this year to start writing more. Um Sort of always been a gene I've had. I love writing, whether that's fiction or technical writing, whatever it is, just putting thoughts into paper. Uh, for this year, it's technical writing. So if TypeScript's are your game, then I have a blog writing up and down about that. And lastly, I've been, uh, to your point, uh, Christina, I have been uh, getting back into playing the guitar this year. Uh, it's been on my shelf for, for so, so long,
0: but uh, I'm slowly picking it up again, so that's super nice. And uh, yeah, that's me. Well, Thank you very much for being looking after the kids, renovating the house, writing in your, in your spare time. Thank you very much for taking time out of your days to mm-hmm. come and participate on this platform. So right at the call, I asked each person to pose a question to the panel. Martin, I know you had a great
1: question to us, so if you'd like to take it away with that. Yeah, sure. So, so one of the the challenges I faced when I first entered my leadership role was how much of my technical knowledge or technical opinions do I actually bring with me um, when I engage with the technical teams, right? Um, and maybe uh, if I should push that question to you, Martin, as a start. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think it's
4: a, it's a good one. And thankfully I had a bit of time to prepare it. Um, so I'm very, uh, idealistic in my approach to things, or at least I try to be, uh, I understand, of course, that the, the real world gets in the way of that. But being idealistic, I, I try to strive towards bringing as few, um, not ideas, but opinions to, um, those constellations like teams and, and how am I engineers going to do something specific? Um, I do believe that it's important to bring in concepts, patterns, learnings, stuff you picked up along the way. Uh, but I think in some cases it can be healthy, um, but also very unhealthy to be too opinionated and being, you know, we've all had that like fear example of, of a boss going like, no, you have to solve it like so, so, and so. And that's really something I think this does not play well in engineering uh, at all. I believe in recommendations, guidance. Uh as the saying goes, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink. So trying to like help your team get the same learnings that you've already made. And so sort of being there, as you can tell my overall theme here is like trying to serve and act as a guide, uh and counselor to the yeah growth and progress of, of your team. So, in short, bringing fewer opinions, I think, is more helpful towards that.
1: Great. Okay. Uh, thank you, Martin. What
3: about you, Thomas? Well, I can definitely relate what Martin said. Um, uh, I have also been wondering about this question. Uh, I think that some, some little, it's, it's better there to have the uh, technical opinions with you, mm-hmm. uh, depending on, on the manager. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, who we are, and also who we are managing. Uh, but basically, I think the, the function I have, uh, I do need to have some technical opinion and know-how and depth also, so I can give give the support to, to my colleagues and team members. Uh, but I also do need to recognize that I'm, as a leader now, uh, I focus more on communication and making the decision on behalf of my organization. Therefore, my answer will be about, yes, we do need some of our technical expertise, but it's not the primarily, um, yeah, function as a leader so,
1: uh, a mix of it, I would say. Great, great. Thank you, Thomas. And what about you, Christina?
2: Yeah, yes. I resonate very much with what you guys are already stating. Um, maybe something uh, extra I can bring to the conversation is that how I think about things is also that it depends very much on when you are. Uh, in your career as a manager. So, for example, if you recently stepped into the role, then I think you need, you have to, you know, be more involved, but immediately I would say start mentoring somebody else in the team uh, that can grow into the technical uh, lead role that perhaps you had before. Maybe in some other teams, uh, it's not one person, but maybe you start delegating the responsibilities to two people. Maybe two people would compensate for the things you would do before. So I think it depends very much on the team. But I think it's crucial that you start mentoring uh, immediately when you step because you have to acknowledge you're in a different role now. And then as time goes by, this mentoring relationship transforms into a coaching uh, relationship with uh, that person. And I think that's the level you will keep it on going forward forward. yeah I do believe in the role for an engineering manager is to help the team focus uh, and showing them more h- what engineering standards are and then I really believe in it's up to the team to decide how we get there uh, also including the technical decisions along the way like I'm very much a believer of you know empowered teams and uh, then it's when you get the most out of people and uh, what about you Martin oh, Morton? yeah not no. more.
1: That's totally fine. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree w- with all of you, right? One of the things I realized fairly quick was how how fast my knowledge got deprecated, right? You know, not sitting in front of the technology stack all day and and doing the actual coding actually means that you very quickly get behind and and you're not updated on the latest technologies, the latest. Versions and, and, and whatnot and and yeah and, and I, th- I guess, guess furthermore to that you know some of the challenges or or concerns as as a technical person have with me in, in my job I try to remember some of those going into my leadership roles you know how can I alleviate some of those concerns from 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 the people that I I guide through through this right so yeah i agree i guess just a follow-up question there and it's open to the floor it's not directed
0: at anyone in particular but one thing you picked one thing you mentioned there morton was that how quickly your skills could be depreciated and how quickly you can lose that area of expertise so on your journey into engineering management is that difficult for you guys is that a difficult thing to relinquish that area of expertise something that you are really strong at to go into the leadership position and mentor and coach okay thanks nice yeah, I feel, um, and this is
4: sort of also a uh, disclaimer to my my previous answer, right? So it's very easy to be idealistic when you don't have a lot of uh, roadblocks in your way. And currently, I'm just leading a, a team of three um, with, with no additional teams below them, right? So it, it becomes, um, and to your point here, Connor, it it's, um yeah, I think it's, um it, I'm in a state at least where I still get to be in touch with, with the skills that I need uh, in order to keep development and keep everything going, so for me at least, the management part of engineering doesn't entail like fully just doing management and, and never doing any, any actual engineering. Um, so again, I think that also speaks to the uh, the point of my my previous answer is that you can tell that I'm somebody who's still hands on. Um, so in in short, no, I haven't felt uh, appreciation yet but i definitely noticed that every once in a while you uh, you pass on a task to somebody and you, you have somebody who's responsible for something in particular and then let's say 6 months 3 or 6 months down the road maybe they come back to you they had a question about how you used to do this and it's
1: just completely gone i guess i guess one of my experiences i actually had a really good experience um there were this area where i had you know i had a lot of knowledge around it and it was kind of my niche and and then i handed it over to to one of my employees at that point right and and a couple you know some time went by and and then at some point i had to review some of the work that that the employee did and i was just amazed to see that um that she had actually Produced something that was even better than I could have done so myself, right? So, so I was so happy to see that that they actually took this work and made it even better. And and you know, I, I couldn't question it. And so that was the the sign for me that I just needed to let go and and let them do that stuff. Nice,
4: yeah, I've definitely had that happen as well. It's uh, a blissful moment.
2: But what I would add from my experience is that um, I found it easier when I was uh, the manager for one team. Uh, then I felt it it, I could easier like do code reviews and be part of all the technical conversations Uh, realistically once I started having two teams then it becomes really hard it's just uh, you can't scale uh, anymore so I think this also matters you know as a variable in the equation
3: I I can also relate to that Christina Uh, definitely more teams perhaps it's more difficult on a general level I could imagine uh, I think, I think uh, I've think i been handing uh, assignments to colleagues for uh, quite a while now. So the manager role, has, I, I have unofficially in several years, but it's now more official. Uh, so therefore, it's been kind of natural for me. So the depreciation, yes, it, it's there, but it's been a kind of na- natural process for me. Um, so yeah, I haven't really felt it. <laughs>
0: some great takes there, guys. And I think reflecting back on some of the answers that you give... I think Martin, you made a great point about how it can be unhealthy to be too opinionated in terms of delivering technical opinions and becoming a little bit, you know, micromanagement style. And I know that Martin, you made a great point in terms of you focus more on communication, Christine, around to empowerment, and Martin as well that when you when you give that the engineer that power to go and try something, you you instill that confidence. How it can have better results than you could have even produced yourself. And I think this directly relates to the next question that's the to the group. So Martin, if you'd like to take it away with that one. Absolutely.
4: So yeah, the question I've got for you guys is uh, process related. Um, Yeah. So what's your process for assessing the the engineers' career growth, obviously those under you, and uh, how do you support and uh, encourage them
3: in their growth? Uh, Well, in our company, uh, we have a well-defined career path for engineers. Uh, It's actually newly developed uh, because we, we have a history of uh, not having one. So therefore, in lack of not having one, which is actually discovered, we need to have one. <laughs> to get a well-defined path, we got a roadmap for now. Uh, so when you're a, a engineer you want to develop and you have this career path, that's a roadmap uh, going down this road. It's also possible for being a specialist. There's a kind of two roads. To go down to, um, but it's been it's been helpful for all the employees to have those well-defined roads uh, because they know uh, do they want to focus more on the manager level or do they want to become more specialist in the team uh, so they can choose uh, which path they want to follow
2: yeah i would uh, i would add the same so uh, we also recently as in in the beginning of last year introduced the career path framework in our company and that's something I think it's been really beneficial and something I'm really proud that we were able to make it happen and something we also received great feedback from uh different engineers. So how we have structured it is that we have uh, five levels so you could see how your progression uh, can look like and we have also five uh, core competencies we define them. Technical skills, communication, collaboration, impact and so on and very specific things inside uh, in a very common language. I think that's the key yeah. it's none of these you know like all corporate uh frameworks where you read and then you're like okay that's so fuzzy like what is it <laughs> what does it mean how do i do it so we try to be have uh, a normal tone and you know common language there and uh, uh, it has been really helpful like having those conversations and giving examples of uh, how the path can look like uh, is something that engineers have really appreciated um That's one thing. And then also something we introduced this year, which has been also, I think, really beneficial in terms of career growth is having 360 reviews. So that's a different angle of growth. Um, But often around 360s, you get feedback from your peers, from your managers, from if you're a manager, from your directs, from colleagues that are not within your disciplines. So if you're an engineer, you would ask for feedback from a PM and a UXer, somebody in customer success, depending who you interact with. Uh, so that has also been proven really, um, really useful in terms of identifying someone's strengths and areas of improvement. And then that's really helping them grow. And I also have another thing that I think is complementing these two, but it's more looking on the long term. And that's um, a professional development plan. So that's something, you know, that doesn't fit in a career path framework. It's not about progressing in the levels. It's not about... Uh, feedback, but it's about what do you want, you know, as a professional, where do you see yourself in three years? And here is where people usually, I encourage them to bring ideas around. I would like to, you know, like work more with AI, or I want to be work, become a security specialist, or I want to, I don't know, be involved in more customer projects. And then, you know, those conversations which are like long term are um, really useful because then you as a manager can see what is it that person, you know, aspires to be or to become. And you can find opportunities for them to help them go in that direction. So I feel like that's a kind of a different type of conversation. Also growth related uh, that can be very beneficial to also retain talent and help someone grow.
4: Yes, insightful.
1: Did you have anything to uh, add as well, uh, Thomas? Oh, sorry, I was, uh, I was muted, Martin. Uh, um, so I, I guess I feel a More bit privileged being a, being, a, being a part of a big company, right? Like, like Schneider, because this is something that is very well established within Schneider in technical career paths uh, and has been so for, for some time, right? Um, I think it's super important to encourage uh, people to have ambitions for themselves and for their career. I think it's super important to find the the right balance, you know, so you don't push them towards something that they're not comfortable with. Um, But, you know, I I think one of my most important tasks as, as a leader is to, to you know, if I have an employee that decides to walk a road, you know, then I need to help guide that employee towards the right place, Right, I have to lay the foundation for the employee to develop um, Themselves um, and having explicit technical career paths is is a big help for that from a toolset perspective. Um, yeah, and, and then as I said before, you know, I'm, I'm fairly privileged being part of Schneider because it's a big company, and and not only if you want to divert from from a technical role into a more you know commercial oriented strategy, you know, whatever it's you know there is a lot of opportunity, and. And I I don't like when you are not trying to be holistic in your mentality about what you want. Right, just because you started out on a technical career path doesn't mean that you cannot shift focus or shift domain. Right. Um. So so having these active conversations with our employees is is fundamental. Yeah. What about you, Martin? Yeah. Thanks for asking. And by the way, very
4: <laughs> insightful answers. And I sorry, I got your name wrong before. By the way. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, so holistic, that word in particular, I liked because it's also what I try to use as like the, the driving overarching theme for looking at career growth and stealing a page out of, um, Christina's playbook. We also have had in mind for a long time, this whole idea of, as a, of a development plan, uh, and, and keeping that holistic. So that's definitely a challenge I find very, very interesting on my, leadership uh palette because it's 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 so challenging trying to have those um ongoing conversations with your engineers figuring out as you correctly were saying like this person do they want to go in in what direction do they want to go and and even if they re-decide and want to to maybe back it off or go in a completely different direction all we can really do is, is support and guide them um as a small startup I think for me, one of the uh, the two most important things we've done to to facilitate career growth is first of all, um, this sort of simple calculation between time and uh, input, or rather output really. So whenever I have engineers, I try to do um, obviously we'll have weekly and daily conversations, but but more formal uh, conversations every three months or so where I try to make sure that I stay updated on what type of work fuels them. Like it's very different. Some people enjoy building new things. Some really enjoy the, could be communication aspect, like working with internal teams. There are so many different things that fuels us as as people. So always making sure that we are uh, attributing at least some work to make sure that people remain fueled. And then also having in mind to keep having a conversation about well how's everything going are they still delivering what they should be and here is when i think time is a really interesting uh attribute in in that calculation because if you have somebody who's let's say just really good when they initially get to you but you don't see much change in input uh sorry output after three six or even 12 months Mm -hmm. it's At least to me, it could be a clear indication that either something is wrong internally with your processes, but B, they're not doing at all what they think is interesting, or worst case C, they just don't really have a lot of capacity for growth in the current role, which is worst case. So yeah, keeping that holistic perspective, making sure that we try to look out what's best. And, and it's really, I think a layer of complexity as a startup. And I don't want to talk away too much. So please cut me off at any time, Connor. Um, but yeah, as a, as a small company, we try to also keep in mind we may not be here tomorrow. How can I help facilitate career growth that maybe lands them a position at Schneider Electric or another company where they might want to go next is, uh, is certainly an interesting aspect to it as well. But thanks for asking.
0: I wouldn't do that, Martin. I'm not that rude, but some great inputs there. I think in terms of understanding people. Providing them with that choice, understanding the passions and how that's best for the organization in the long term. Free to career paths. And I think you made a great point, Martin, in terms of the calculation between time and output. You mentioned a keyboard's word, which was providing a holistic picture. And that's what we're looking to optimize in this podcast as well. So not only how you deal with being an engineering manager, but also the implication on people around you. So great question, Martin. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading-edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech, data, product, or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organisation to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast, Christina. I know that you've got a question that directly relates to time management as an as an engineering lead. So, would you like to put us onto that?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, so I'm sure all of you have experienced that once you, um, once you switch to a management role, uh, and then as your, especially as your scope increases, then time becomes a very dear and precious resource. Um, uh, so I would like to just hear, uh, how do you go about prioritizing your time, uh, in this role? And if you have any productivity hacks, uh, that are like some real time savers of be so curious to
1: hear um i guess um uh, i have the input to it at least Awesome. so so for me it's it's two-sided it's both a mentality thing and and a process thing so the men- from a mentality perspective i have to value my own time i have to take myself seriously and i have to take my time seriously because it's as you say you know it's not an infinite resource um meaning that I take the decision what I want to spend my time on. Um, and obviously there's expectations to me from, from leadership, from senior leadership, right? And then that's a part of my job to prioritize. And, and I think that's a part of all leaders job is to prioritize their time and use it where it makes the most impact. Um, but the key word here is really to, to value your own time because when you start to deliberately do things that makes the most impact, then you will also get the biggest output in, in the end, right? Um In order to actually do that, one of the things I have really great success with is that I've put everything I do in my calendar. So obviously my meetings and all of my invoice, right? But all of the administration stuff I need to do in between the meetings, I put them in the calendar as well. And I prioritize them, you know, in, in the same bucket as all of the other things I have to do from a meeting perspective because... I cannot show up to the meetings if I don't have my you know my my preparations in order if I don't have my administration in order if I don't have the, the numbers and and all of that in order then I would be be gimped when I show up to those meetings right so actually putting stuff in in my calendar so I I start to to take control of my own time is is really what saves me and 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 maybe just one last point to it when when you put things in the calendar the next time then don't put it in the next available slot. Put it in somewhere where it fits you, where you know you have time to, to put, um, you know, the right effort into the task or into the meeting, right? Don't just take the next slot because then your calendar will be filled up coincidentally and, and you want to do it deliberately. Like, oh. Sorry. That was a long ass
2: That's great. What about you, Martin? What are your, uh...
1: Yeah,
4: I feel like uh, Morton just said uh, pretty much everything I wanted to say, which is, which is cool. Um, I would have started off saying it's a, it's a product of importance. So that balance of like, if it's important to me, I gotta also make it important to everybody else. And I do want to elaborate a little bit on the um, the calendar uh, thing as well because that's actually what I found to be my biggest productivity hack as well. So I'm super happy to hear. I'm not the uh, the only nerd who thinks the calendar is just uh, <laughs> the best invention ever. No, but it's, it's really profound how much of a difference it makes. Um, I can see it in my personal life, even the weeks where I don't schedule things. I don't get them done. It's, it's crazy how much of an impact it has. So for the longest time, I've had this habit every Sunday. I will sit down. I'll schedule my calendar for the coming week, two weeks if I can, including everything like time blocking when I need to think about a particular issue that sounds super dumb. But uh, in, in regards to my whole engineering, um, responsibility, you all know how, how important deep thinking can be. Uh, I'll put my reading in there. I'll put my running. I'll put everything. And I can tell you, if I skip a Sunday and I miss a week, I'll just not get anything done in a very systemized way. So it's, it's really crazy how much it helps. Like it's the one thing I put about, uh, above everything else. Another thing I would add though is also trying to batch things. Um, so for example, with regards to meetings, I actually try and put all my meetings, um, let's say, on the same day, if I can, or on the same uh, afternoon or before noon or whatever it is. That can be, depending on the volume, of course, not the best solution, because um, also I tend to prioritize time to prepare as well. But the idea of like, okay, now I'm going into meeting mode, I realized I'm not going to get a lot of what I needed to do on my plate done this, let's say, afternoon or this Wednesday, whatever it might be. Um, the same thing goes for email. It goes for coding. It goes for, like I said, time blocking, thinking time. So like making sure we do things in batches. That's been, that's probably my two greatest tips.
2: Cool. Thank you. What about you, Top?
3: Uh, well, yeah, you've almost been uh, around all the, the hacks. Uh, I do have one hack more. And mm. uh, it's, it's actually a quite basic hack. Uh, but it's quite effective. Uh, when we book meetings in Outlook, as we all know, then in our company, we have made a standard where a meeting schedule only lasts when you book the meeting for maximum 30 minutes. And if it's necessary to go beyond the 30-minute limit, then you should have the good reasons. Uh, so so we, we tend to choose schedule the meetings as short as possible and only with the people who is actually necessary. There shouldn't be anyone in the meeting who's not contributing, who's not thinking that the meeting is relevant or who uh, at some point can uh, contribute to the output of the meeting. So, so we're very focused on not wasting our time because we're also consultants. <laughs> not wasting the time on, on meetings which is not uh, giving value to us. So therefore, lesser, uh, shorter meetings, the better, more effort more effort out of them. That would be more smart, I would say. But also, yeah, all the scheduling in our tender is also with. Very important. Back to back meetings. Yeah, not good. What about your question Yeah,
2: yeah I, okay. I I love this one. I love this last hack. Thanks, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I fall also in the category of driving everything from my uh, my calendar. Like if it's not in my calendar, then uh, slim chances it will happen. Uh, so I have everything there. Also preparation time, meetings. Uh, Uh, And I also have a very thorough to-do list. So everything I need to do is I I keep it on on some notes because even small things, otherwise it just flies out of my head and it won't happen. So very thorough, very structured on how I keep all the to-dos, even the small ones and driving everything from my calendar. I'm also starting to rely more on async communication, so not so many meeting time, but uh, start writing more things down, uh, use comments uh, to to make progress and uh, maybe only have the meeting to align and not have a meeting at all. Uh, and then I also I have another, um, it's not a hack, but it's something that works for my life where I am now with two small kids. So it really works where, uh, for example, if in the mornings I need to drop off the kids and I will reach work around 930 Then uh, maybe I stay a little later in the afternoon or not, but I have to come home. We have to prepare dinner. Kids need to be tucked in and so on. And then I use this, I usually use some time in the evening, but it's like a quiet time. And I find that really useful to wrap up uh, follow ups I had throughout the day because maybe I don't get a chance from being from one meeting to another. So I can uh, like wrap my hand around what the day was about. And I also use the time to prepare for the next day. So see what's in the calendar and see what I have to do. So I feel like that, uh, at least for me, it helps me come more prepared to uh, to the meetings and to the things I have to do. And it's yeah, it's like quiet, non-interruption times. Is yes, Martin? Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: yeah, if I may, I just thought of one also kind of profound thing that I do that I didn't really think of. Um, so you, you kind of just rang a bell with the whole uh, quiet evening thing. One thing I really try and prioritize every single day is before I leave work. Um, for me, this works best when I'm in the office. It never really gets done when I when I work at home. But whenever I'm in the office, the last thing I'll do every single day before I leave is make sure I just like finish any loose ends. So for me, that means if I have anything left in my calendar that I missed or on my to-do list that didn't get done or things slip, whatever it might be, Make sure I take the time then to move it to when it's relevant instead of waiting until the following morning or something uh because at least for me that's gonna get me starting the next day feeling I'm already a step behind so it's kind of like a cool down ritual for me, which is just uh it's also sort of magic, so you guys can try that out i really uh, really enjoy that one,
2: yeah, that's really cool. I also wanna share something uh i I plan on trying, but I haven't yet with all the a i buzz around um. I came across uh, an uh, AI assistant. It's called Lindy. So it's uh, supposed to be uh, an intelligent uh, personal assistant. Uh, I plan to give that a go. It looks so very promising uh, from what it's telling. Uh, <laughs> so let's see if you can help with uh, yeah. some of the follow ups and time I finding, uh, finding times for meetings with maybe more people. Uh, yeah. With some of these practicality things, right? That you just hope that they, they take less time than they do. Minute.
0: Nice. Thanks. No, yeah. I think some great points there in terms of what will provide some very useful information for people looking to prioritize the time from for a to-do list. As you said, Christina, and you know, the, the echoing of how important calendars are, be it for creating a systemized approach, you know, impactful use and how more Thomas, you said reducing waste is obviously a business objective on all front, but especially when it comes to time, it can be of vital importance. One thing I picked up on though was there was certainly an alignment and a recurring theme that effective time management leads to improved performance and on the tone of effectiveness, Thomas, I know
3: that when it comes to strategy your question directly relates to this. So yeah, correct. Uh, I do. I do have. It's a company. I will not the issue, but it's it's a company thing we have in our company. Uh, working together with other teams. Uh, I would rephrase this question as: How do we effectively uh, building re- relationships with other departments in our own company? It could be it could be uh, customer service. It could be engineering. It could be uh, forefront back end be, whether the department should be, how do we get the most out of the team building we have within the company, with our department? Uh, Christina, any, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And it's such an important thing when you are becoming a leader oh, um Oh, Mike, last on this stand, uh, behind help first, you know, help first without having any interest, you know, start by building a relationship by trying to, to help, trying to understand what are the challenges, try to understand what are the goals and objectives of the other department, the other team. Um, yeah, uh, and just try to be helpful. Uh, and then, you know, help will come when you need it. So. I think if, if you start with this foot, then, then you get all the doors, uh, you know, open, uh, and good relationships, uh, are, uh, are being built. I think this is really, really important. Um, then another, maybe it's more on a pragmatic thing is it's important to have the regular sinks for, yep. uh, leaders of the teams of the departments you want to, or, yeah, have built a relationship with. So just have regular sinks. Um, it's, it's good to just share what is happening on your side, what's happening on their side. Uh, and that's also a really good time in time to influence. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to start some initiatives that would require in the future cross team collaboration, then that's a good time to have that initial conversation. You know, don't just call in for a meeting. Uh, like first, you know, uh, test the ground, test, test the waters. Uh, I think these one on ones or sync meetings with, uh, Different mm-hmm. leaders of the different teams of departments are, are golden times. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only leaders, but it could also be from, uh, like a different disciplines. Uh, for example, I regularly sync with the PMs of the teams I am leading just to see, you know, how they see things from their perspective. What are the challenges they see in it within the team? So I can see how to help there. Um, yeah. And I think in general, people are also, um, around really grateful when they are kept in the loop so when you practically share information with them uh you know you are highlighting things you are doing in your department there may be things they they don't see and uh sharing that uh i think just puts things in a like yeah better perspective uh you yeah it's showing that you are you are here to, with help the evaluation, to, get clients, to have everyone succeed um and last but not least, I would also not uh, downplay the human interaction. And also, maybe these teams are remote, maybe you're in different uh, locations. It's so important, I think, to have to plan for an in-person off-site uh, or in-person uh, yeah event, working session, uh, uh, yeah work a few days together, go for a dinner together. I think that's such an important uh, building step towards uh, having a great relationship with uh, with others.
3: Well, I think you got some strong points, Christina. (laughs) Very very good point. Uh, All
1: right. And Morten, do you have any take on this one here? Yes. I I have a lot and and maybe more than I can remember right now. This is a big topic for me. Um, obviously, again, you know, Schneider is a big company, so this is something I have to be aware of all of the time, but not only that big. Okay. And and if I take a step back, it's, it's actually much more of A contextual question, right? So, um, because you can, you can, you can talk about this from, from a department perspective, but you can also talk about this from a, from a nationality and a cultural perspective, right? Hmm. So how do I ensure collaboration, you know, with the engineering teams that sits beside mine, you know, locally where I am? Or how do I ensure collaboration with the team that is in another country or in another time zone with another culture, right? And for me, it all ties back to being you know context aware of of myself my team my mission uh, you know what i'm trying to achieve be contextual aware of of the team i want to collaborate with what are their mission you know you know why are they there because you will also always go into the collaboration with those two different viewpoints or those two different perspectives and you really have to be aware of those two perspectives before you can start to 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 create relations that is fairly strong, right? Um, and and as I said before, it, it you know it comes down to if you do it on locally on site with with two engineering teams that have to collaborate, you know the the context differences can be just as big as you have a team in the other part of the world, right? um it's not, It's not limited by by distance in in that regard um and I think a lot of a lot of culture books that is available that you can read actually helps some of this even on on the more pragmatic technical stuff, collaboration like right. right. um, and then maybe uh, maybe one last point uh, if I can remember. remember though so I'll get back to that one. I can't remember. a good point. I could play it. <clears throat> All right, Martin yeah, so
4: uh, I feel like my context for this is, uh, is probably going to be slightly different than everybody else's given, you know, company size, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to try and weigh in anyhow. So um, first of all, sort of my baseline for for understanding any sort of collaboration is, uh, I've always been a firm believer that we've got two uh, two ears and a mouth for a reason. Um, I think it really comes down to, at a human level, uh, the feeling of being heard. Um, for the other party, right? So imagine you have a collaboration going on with customer success. Um, how, how trusting is that relationship going to be if they feel like they keep reporting things to, to your engineering department and either not hearing back or maybe you say, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe later or, you know, it, it's sort of these like uh, formal ways we have of, uh, we have a lot of formal tools for saying thank you, but no thank you. Um, and at the end of the day, that can, it, it won't ruin the relationship, but it, it's not building trust and collaboration in the sense that what we're really asking. Um, whether I have the answers for it or not, I'm not so sure. Um, I can tell you what, what we've had great success with. So in the past, something, something we do regularly now, but something that really helps us build strong bonds between all the departments is, again, coming from the engineering perspective. We set up, uh, themed, weeks so you'll see this sometimes from like really uh some of the really like fancy uh startups i feel i'm kind of just stole the idea but you'll imagine taking a week of like uh we'll do, do ux week or fuck week or whatever it might be and you get everybody together around that theme so for example in the context of bug week uh, we had that as a great success because we could include everybody and tell them, Hey, try to break the system in the most imaginable way you can. And everybody was like, Oh, this is going to be fun. Right. Cause everybody wants to, to, to break stuff in a, you know, like, like a proper way. Yeah. So we really got everybody aboard and they really felt hurt and everybody could uh, contribute their um, experience from, from doing that. And even if it was just one week, every then and again, uh, we'll do it with different themes. That's been really helpful. And just to round off, uh, this is not a personal experience, but I had the best example I've ever heard of this. Um, it, it was from a book I read in December, uh, I believe. But in, in the book, a person is, is described and this person is also in a management position and he had come to some decision about something. I'm, I'm keeping it very awake here, not because I, I don't, uh, I <laughs> want to share, but because I forgot all the details, but I remembered the point of the story. So that person came to a conclusion. I was like, okay, it has to be this way because there's no other way for it to be. But throughout time, he kept getting prodded and, and getting questions from from other team members. And they were like, why is it this way? Couldn't we X Y C? And instead of just using one of the aforementioned formal ways of saying, yeah, but not really, uh, he would say, hmm, I hadn't thought about it. Let's check it out. And so he included everyone in the process, and all they found out was what he already knew, that it couldn't be any other way. But with this process, he actually managed to create a whole team of ambassadors for his decision. So now instead of him constantly having the question of, like, couldn't it be any other way, now there was a team of people saying it has to be this way, and they felt included in the decision. So, um, so um yeah, I really think feelings at the end of the day here and feeling hurt, but in particular, is the... um yeah, it's the point. I can, I can recognize it. More
1: yes? uh, yeah, I, I just remembered my, my point. Um, sorry, going, going back to the context, right? You know, creating a shared context. That was my point. It's, it's really important to create that shared relation with the team that you want to collaborate with. Um, often you need to look at, you know, what is the, the company goal or what is the department goal and, and why do we actually want to do this collaboration and then create a shared goal between the entities that you want to. To have this relationship or this dialogue going with them. Um, I think that's important. At least going, yeah, definitely, definitely important. Yeah, and
4: it, and it was, we may ask Thomas, what's your uh, what's your own uh,
3: what's your own take on Yeah Exactly, exactly. Well, well, I got some two two key parts which we are currently developing in our company, and that's the, that's the the EM meeting, the engineering engineering manager meeting, where we uh, do have some sharing of knowledge between the different departments. And uh, just as you said, Christine, that's been that's very valuable in our company because we can share knowledge and experiences across different departments. Um, and that's, that's been a, a keystone for us getting these meetings here. And then not more than 30 minutes or so, but we have them once a week. Um, and also another thing, uh, celebrating success is also very important. Having some uh, common sharing on uh, yeah good projects done within the company has also been a uplifting thing in our thing. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, so what been what what we have been experiencing. Some great suggestions there, and your ideas are
0: probably much more high level than this. And especially the way they're related to admissions, and this answer may merely you know scrape the surface of a much deeper rooted issue. But on a previous podcast, one of the participants here had on put forward a great idea. It's a it's on Slack. I don't know if you all communicate on Slack at your organisations. But It's a small add-on called Donut and what it aims to do is bridge the gap between multi-located teams and, you know, like the, the coffee machine, water cooler conversations that you have, when the opportunity for knowledge sharing and, you know, icebreakers, getting to know people from other other areas, it aims at bridging that gap and it just puts two members from different areas of the organisation together in a chat with icebreakers and different prompts and I thought it's a great tool, you know, in terms of increasing that collaboration and getting people to speak who never would normally have the opportunity to or Without that meaning or purpose, you know, sometimes in organisations you only speak when there's a direct requirement to communicate with that area or that department, as you say, be it CRM or over at back-end engineers, sometimes the two don't speak. So, have you ever heard of that?
4: We we actually used it uh, for a while. But uh, it was... Um, so we, we've had our ups and downs in the startup journey, and it was definitely very valuable when we were more than we are now. Uh, for a team of nine, it still makes sense, but we don't have that many remote or in off locations. So everybody kind of already stays in touch, but it's it's great when there's no apparent reason to do so. It sounds like a good... a good,
3: uh, We have a yeah. planning somewhere, yeah. Collaboration across. Uh, but haven't tried it. Yeah. But perhaps we should still something we tried
0: here either i just thought it was quite relevant in terms of that collaboration between teams but at this stage what i ask is is there any final questions or anything further that anyone wish to add in which case i'd like to thank you all for some great contributions and if you'd like to join us on a future episode please approach me on linkedin at conor.laylan at evolution-nordics.com thank you